0: Hey, everybody, on today's episode, we're discussing When Harry Met Sally, the 1989 rom com. Uh, We do recommend you watch it ahead of time. It makes the movie, or excuse me, it makes the podcast more interesting to listen to. So, what is When Harry Met Sally about? Well, Mike, thank you for asking that question. Listen, I, I know it's a little controversial, it's a little unusual for us to be doing a movie like this. But we really felt that the time was right for us to finally start addressing the hard-hitting socio-economic political commentary on this platform the reality is that the world is being divided ever more sharply into the rich and the poor and when harry met sally is a masterful work of biting political propaganda forcing us to reckon with just how ridiculous the life of the wealthy in america can be watch the endless parade of exceedingly well-made clothing Lavish, upper story, windowed apartments, the finest of dining, and the most elegant parties, all framed as just a casual backdrop for our unwitting protagonists. Marvel at the idea of going to Rome on a moment's notice, of having the resources to easily go to a doctor but just not feeling like it, or even of getting married, buying a house, and having a family. The brutality of presenting such a world as attainable to ninety-nine percent of the audience <laughs> truly elevates when Harry met Sally into a work of poignant, powerful, and prescient political commentary.
1: Amen and amen. This is, is just—I just, was going to say—it's millennial it just too talk. Real yeah, that's millennial talk right there. I think uh, two <laughs> thoughts. Two thoughts. One—it's yeah, it's, it's hilarious to think that as a podcast that's on Parasite, this is our first political movie. Um, <laughs> Two. I actually
0: kind of forgot about that.
1: Two, I do think that the apartments in this, uh, this movie are eat the rich levels. I mean, it's just like, yeah. what is, what is happening? These people don't do anything. How did they afford honestly,
0: this? <laughs> honestly, we're going to get into it. Cause there's a lot of eat the rich in this movie that I don't think I noticed until this most recent time. <laughs> uh, when, when I Harry, a good when though. Harry met the guillotine. <laughs> <laughs> <the rich. laughs> On that note, welcome to this film could be your life. Would Harry know hey everybody welcome once again to this film could be your life a movie podcast where two friends take the movies that they love way too seriously i'm jonathan devine joined as always by mike overstreet i just
1: can't hate you john
0: wow (laughs) that was that was beautiful i didn't think we were going there so fast we are obviously talking about the truly the iconoclastic i think rom-com the uh, 1989 Amer- American. So Wikipedia does say romantic comedy drama film. Yeah, nah. nah. Uh, but we're just gonna say that's wrong, right? This yep, is just a rom com. That's wrong. It gets pretty. It gets pretty dramatic at moments. But sure, the prototypical rom com, written by Nora Ephron, legendary uh, screenwriter and eventually director, but at this time she was only writing. Directed by Rob Reiner. It stars Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan and follows the title characters from the time they meet in Chicago and share a drive to New York through 12 years of chance encounters in New York city. I'm going to say essentially invented the modern rom-com, right? Like obviously these kinds of movies existed, but so many, uh, tropes, so many styles, so many aesthetic points, uh, so many story beats of this movie literally codified where this entire genre was going to go It literally popularized ideas that are now household concepts like high maintenance and transitional people. Yeah. Um, I actually have a quote. The AV Club said in 2019, you can find traces of when Harry met Sally's DNA in virtually every romantic comedy that's been made since. Yeah. Which I think is totally accurate. Yep. Um, But I would also say that this is a case where there's something so refreshing about seeing all of the, all of these tropes in a culture where they weren't tropes yet. Right. In a movie where they were kind of fresh and exciting and new. And I think the movie still holds up, even though we're going to talk about a lot of things that maybe haven't aged super well, but the basic premise of the movie to me, this is so charming and so fun and so whimsical, I guess, you know, especially relationally. It's just a, it's a breath of fresh air movie it's yep. one of the most delightful movies you can put on i feel a lot like when we talked about princess bride right yeah flooding um, on cloud yeah also rob reiner also kind of late 80s i think that's the other connection but but yeah just easy very easy very fluffy to watch in a sense absolutely um we start by talking about our history with a movie mike general impressions slash you know when do you first see this movie do you think
1: I actually don't remember when I saw the movie. Um, I, I'm assuming college. It had to be college or just right after. Um, yeah, I don't – I can't – I realized the other day that I, I haven't watched this with my wife, which is, like, shocking. This feels like a it, movie Incredible. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this feels like a movie that we would have watched early in dating. Um, but, yeah, so I must have watched it in college. I would assume when I was part of the film school uh, – or the not film school, but when I was helping run the theater at the school. I'm sure we played this mm-hmm. at least once or something. Um, my impression of it is, is everything you already said. I mean, I I can't overstate this movie's influence. It is the template for, especially as a millennial for every rom-com made in my entire life. And I think what's even more refreshing than, like you said, kind of going back to the source material on some of these tropes is also like going back to an earlier movie that sidesteps some of the problematic tropes of the movies that I grew up with also, um, like yeah. we're going to talk later that she's not really a manic pixie dream girl. She's not these yeah, things that I have like, a big
0: note about that. Yeah.
1: That we as millennials ended up the movies that we ended up consuming from this genre that were made almost in response to this kind of like eighties and nineties, um, framework. So yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's something that's like, yes, there are parts of that. I'm sure we'll get into that are just like, yikes. Um, but there are other parts that are refreshing and how they, they, you know, don't have
0: these things that I'm accustomed to even seeing in these movies. Totally agree. Uh, I guess I forgot to mention, I also saw the movie a long time ago, but weirdly I, I, I definitely did see it at the FSU student theater. What was cool is we saw it in uh 30 millimeter, 30, oh, love 30 that. millimeter which whichever yeah. one it is. Yeah, yeah. The the original format, which was actually super cool and gave it like a very interesting atmosphere. That was also really cool though, because seeing it in an audience of young people, was a really, really good window into like exactly how everything has aged. Yeah. Which we're going to sure. get into later. Just that there were certain things that people laughed at that definitely weren't meant to be funny. <laughs> there was a lot of things that were meant to be funny that people didn't laugh at. But I, I think overall, and and you know, in a sense, we're already getting into the discussion uh, or a, a talking point that I think is going to come up over and over again. I would say that the majority of the movie aged pretty well, actually, and, and still lands, I, I think very well and even in that audience by the time you're 30 or 40 minutes in i think everyone was basically there and yeah and basically really invested in it
1: i would um, i would go as far as to say that on this rewatch i was well once i got past the opening 15 minutes i was shocked by yeah, how we much of it about that. i was shocked by how much of it did age well you know i was yeah i was expecting to have a temple of doom level of like <laughs> uh, you know but um and there is plenty of sexism and stuff like that, but we'll get to that later. Mostly, I was we'll I was I was shocked at how much that that floatiness and that that quirkiness and that that charm kind of overwhelmed and took control.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, we can start talking about the movie. Uh, Please. We, the way we talk about it, we divide the podcast in a few different sections. We'll start by talking about why this movie works. Get into, get into what maybe holds it back. Uh, We'll have some stray thoughts later and then finally a sort of dialogue trying to dive a little bit deeper into the movie. Uh, You know, there's a lot of things to talk about for why this movie works, but I actually want to keep the thread going from where we just were and keep talking about the characters because Mm -hmm. the very first thing I wrote was just characters, characters, characters. There's basically four named like real characters in this movie. And I'm, I absolutely am in love with all of them. I yeah. think they're, they're so well rendered and if nothing else, uh, cause we're, you know, we'll, we'll get into each of them individually and everything like that. But as a general thing, I just want to call back to what you said a second ago. This movie does such a good job of, of avoiding tropes, even though it defines a lot of tropes, right? It, it, all of these characters, too, I think, in my opinion, feel relatively real and mm-hmm. breathed in, and and have nuance to them. And and you are missing a lot of those, like you know, manic pixie dream girl, or uh, you know, what I what I kind of wrote down too is like here, a lot of guys in rom coms eventually become like people who you know, what's the cliche? Like, aren't self starters? Literally yeah. have no <laughs> no redeeming qualities whatsoever. And this person, the subal, is somehow supposed to fall in love with them because they're like vaguely charming. And that doesn't describe Harry. Harry has a lot of issues we're going to get into. But again, he eschews a lot of like the problems that became associated with the genre, which I think is super a super fascinating thing about seeing the movie now. Um, but yeah, let's start with Harry and Sally. Let's start with the, the, the title characters. Uh, I have a lot to say on them individually. I just want to say, taken together, first of all, you cannot overstate the chemistry of these two oh, actors. Yeah. beautiful. Uh, the seed where they are singing all of their hang- hangout scenes are just yeah. incredible. Feel real. Uh, I would have shout out in. The, the the karaoke and the sharper image, which there's uh-huh. gonna be a lot of dated things to call Jeez. back to. But
1: that was even like before <laughs> our time. Like geez I was gonna say I feel
0: like I barely remember that yeah. from like going to malls in the 90s. Uh all that stuff I think has aged tremendously in my opinion. But but even like just as a demonstration of them just kind of getting into this karaoke and singing it horrifically and just the energy that they are giving off of mutual affection and friendliness and all of that warm, bubbly relational stuff. It's not like the kind of sultry, lusty, like relational sort of chemistry. It's a lot more again, kind of organic and real and and friendly, which of course is the theme of the movie. I think yeah. is the idea of them becoming friends. But they they're so good at that. And I just really love see I think ultimately the movie works because you love seeing them interact, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's
1: as you said, in many ways, that's the premise, and it's the heartbeat of the movie. It it doesn't work. I mean, I think I think it was on Wikipedia, the source of all good content, that I read that in effect, like Reiner's desire for this movie was just to have a movie about two friends who don't want to have sex with each other and then do. And then it's like whoopsies. Um, even though they know it's gonna ruin their relationship, right? That that's right. like the core premise. And and it feels that way. It feels like they nailed the first part of that um where it's just yeah. like these are people who i genuinely believe are friends and and going back to even what you said about the genre and how they fit into that i think there's like one of the the, the most successful parts of this movie is what you were just talking about in the sense that like what is keeping these people apart is not like fate it's not an obstacle it's not like a a bad guy or a bad girl or yeah. someone like someone to be disposed of for them to be together <laughs> it's nothing but their own like defense mechanisms and character defects yeah. like that's the only reason they're not together and what's so fun about watching these largely equal characters, largely equally flawed characters, largely equal and bringing good, bad, and ugly into this relationship characters interact is that you just kind of like absorb all of that. You absorb their chemistry of like why they are perfect for each other, both as friends or potentially something else. And you also absorb just by watching them interact why they're not together yet. Like what what yeah. barriers are keeping them from having a real intimate open clear relationship or line of communication about what they want from each other. Um, And that's amazing that that goes down to acting, but more than that, I think it goes down to writing and that's one of the the, the strength, the biggest
0: strengths in the movie for sure. Absolutely. Uh, You, I I find that like you almost end up seeing them from the perspective of their friends Mm -hmm. where, you know, you are, you are seeing, like you said, those connections and you're drawing it, drawing the conclusions of like, Oh, you guys work as this, but you don't work as that yet, and all the things I think it's so good at communicating that to you in, a, in an organic way. Um, you brought up the writing, but I, I think we maybe want to put a pin in that just to yeah, get through sure. the characters please, real quick, if that's please. okay. Yeah, uh, let's talk about Harry a little bit. Yeah, okay. um, so <laughs> we're gonna, I, I think I'm just gonna speak for both of us that, that we're gonna have some negative things to say about the character of Harry later, but there is one very extremely important thing I want to get out of the way early. And then I I can even pose as a question because I am willing to be disagreed with on this, but in my opinion, the movie wants us to dislike Harry at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Cause in the first 20 minutes, he's, he's insufferable to an astonishing degree. Yeah. Um, what I also will say, and this is stepping on the toes of what doesn't work I don't think the movie wants us to hate him as much as we do in 2023, (laughs) because I think there's certain things he does that, like, stretch over from, like, you know, stretch over from, like, quirky, annoying guy into kind of harassment, not even kind of, just, like, yeah, he's, he's essentially harassing Sally on the plate, I think, like, that's not good. I don't mean, like, physical harassment, but just, like, you know forcing to forcing someone who doesn't want to sit next to you to sit next to you and continuing to talk to them when they obviously don't want to talk to them and hitting on them at a circumstance. Okay. I'm stepping on the toes. We're going to get there. No. Uh, first three minutes of this movie is rough, but, uh, but again, I, I don't think we're, we're not supposed to, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. What do you got?
1: No, I think I just to like give a framework to what you're saying. Cause I do completely agree. I think the movie wants us to think of him and it's successful in this, to be clear. Um, as like that guy who just took a freshman, philosophy class and now gets how the world works right Yes, um and absolutely. it's and, and he nails that he nails it what it is not expecting us to think is that he's a sexist chauvinist big which yeah. is what i feel today watching this movie um
0: so like that's the difference right it's it's i, I, think- I wrote down if this was made today would harry just be an incel question mark? <laughs> like 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 really like that's kind of yeah. that's kind of the vibes he's bringing at the beginning of the movie
1: yes absolutely so so yeah i do think that and and you can praise both you could be like it's it is amazingly successful as a character study of like what it actually sounds like to sit in a car with us when we were 18 like it sounds (laughs) miserable yeah it's brutal Uh, but it's true it's just the topic that he's talking about and his ideas on that topic uh don't hold up today and that's like where that extra layer of distaste seems to come
0: in in hindsight totally agree Outside of that, though, like so, so, you know, bearing in mind that I think the movie's the movie makes the case that he is wrong and that he has to change, he has to go on the journey of growth to the end of it, understanding that his first premise of men and women can't be just friends is wrong, right? I think that's the point is that he gets to the place of accepting that truth. Outside of those things, I actually find Billy, uh, I find him really charming in this movie, Billy Crystal Harry. I think that, um, what I wrote is some of his more quote unquote stand-upy moments I don't necessarily think have aged incredibly just because humor sensibilities about sure. like what we yeah. find funny, I think have have kind it of changes, teased. man. Yeah. Um but his general two things. His general quippiness is hysterical. Yeah. And I think what he's really locked in with another actor going back and forth. Yeah. There's some absolutely incredible moments. And then I think as a companion to that, what I maybe didn't expect, certainly the first time I saw this movie, and always kind of surprised me a little bit. He really brings across the more dramatic pathos moments mm-hmm. really, really, really well, I think. Um I want to call out two scenes. I think the first scene demonstrates both of those elements of his character, which I think is great. When he goes from... It's a great scene in general. When he goes from freaking out after seeing his ex, it's the wagon wheel scene. The wagon wheel Yes, vehicle. yes. So... First, he loses his mind It freaks out because he's just seen his ex and doesn't know how to emotionally process it, which is actually hysterical. And We'll probably cut in a little bit of that audio here, Mike. Right now, everything is great. Everyone is happy. Everyone is in love,
2: and that's wonderful. But you got to know that sooner or later, you're going to be screaming at each other about who's going to get this dish. This $8 dish will cost you a $1,000 in phone calls to the legal firm of That's Mine. This is yours. Harry. Please. Jess, Marie, do me a favor for your own good put your name in your books right now before they get mixed up and you don't know who's is who's. Because someday, believe it or not, you'll go 15 rounds over who's going to get this coffee table. This stupid wagon wheel Roy Rogers garage sale coffee table.
0: So that's that's hysterical, I think. Going from that, then going outside and freaking out against Sally, but then apologizing to her and having mm-hmm. that kind of beautiful moment with her. I think that five minutes demonstrates that comedic side and that drama side really well and he lands all of that and and the charisma between all of the characters is there for all of that um i i have more i could say about I'll, i've been talking a little bit what do you have anything on anything else on harry or that scene specifically no, I mean, yeah, I mean that scene's hilarious.
1: I mean, yeah, I absolutely—it's great. Adore it. Also, I mean, it's like...
0: Bruno Kirby as Jesse is great. In that. Also, everyone's great in that.
1: Carrie Fisher, who we'll talk about later, at the last, yes. like with that last line of like, "Oh, I love you, but I would never take that table or whatever." It's just like great. It's a great scene. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I really like. Um, I think Billy Crystal is the only character in this movie that at times doesn't feel fully real. And it's because of that stand-up quality you just talked about. Yeah. There are moments where I'm like, no, it talks like this, right? Um. Yeah. But for the most part, I think he walks that knife's edge really well, in which I'm both like stunned that anyone can deliver dialogue so quickly, and also like deeply aware that. I have been or I know people like this person in real life in a really, like, grounded way. That darkly yeah. funny, overly existential, lonely, pessimistic, nihilistic person who is just, like like you said, both trying to be better but also cannot seem to identify or get past some deep wounds and deep traumas. Like, there's something so profoundly human about that that I appreciate yeah. um as – as someone who you know identifies as a male and, and has a lot of the hangups that come with our culture with masculinity, like I do he, think there's a level of honesty and sincerity and truth within like both how this person is struggling and how they are coping with that struggle and how they're growing slowly but surely in some of that struggle.
0: Absolutely. You know, we've been joking about like like if he would be an, an insult today or whatever, but I actually do think there's a there's a lot of prescience in the movie because yeah, yeah. a lot of the a lot of his own personality uh things comp you know problems like that for lack of a better word i think only get worse when you factor in the social isolation that the internet's going to have on on young people 20 years after this movie so if anything it, it feels like that that person maybe even feels more real nowadays you know that yeah. aspect of that person i should say sure i think we all are familiar with and it's also maybe why some of those defense mechanisms go up a lot quicker like as soon as he says something about like i'm a you know i'm a what was what does he say not i'm a uh uh pessimist but something of that effect he introduces himself in that way yeah yeah um in a way that i think might have been just kind of quirky in 1989 and is now like oh are you going to be one of those people yeah you're on the, the terror
1: <laughs> watchlets just... yeah 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 you're a little
0: <laughs> bit nervous about that um yeah i totally agree though i think i i ultimately i i still enjoy the character. I have to shout out what other scene that I, I could, I could put the scene in a lot of cases of why this movie is great. It's one of my favorite ones. And it speaks to the fact that that first 20 minutes, honestly, like when I watched the movie, I almost could like take scissors. to that first yeah. 20 minutes, yeah, right? Yeah. Like you yep. can start the movie when Sally is having that meal with her friends. And we're kind of to the point where they're about to meet for real mm-hmm. and actually start being friends. Uh, but I, it, a, it is important to the story and B, I actually think it's important the The character journey of Harry is very important. And the scene at the football game, which is a really good scene, actually, oh, where great. he's telling his friend, the divorce story, first uh, of all, is absolutely hysterical. Mr. Zero because they knew. have to keep. <laughs> Sorry, go, <on>, go ahead. <laughs> and, well, and just the fact that they keep having the wave, to stop yeah. the story to do the wave every yeah. single time that happens is, I is absolutely unreal. So I, I genuinely laugh. Yeah. Uh, but it's, but again, like I actually think there's a lot of pathos to the character. I even remember in the theater, I felt like a lot of the like chilliness you build up to the character until that moment kind of starts to thin a little bit, starts yeah. to evaporate. Like, you're well, like oh, this guy just went through a horrible heartache, a horrible moment, you know?
1: Yeah. And, and he even says the words, like the words come out of his house, humiliation. And I think that's yeah. like what someone with that much ego you are more open to them because they usually become more open as a person after that humbling, right? And I think that's right. yeah. So it's not to get on a tangent, but I think you're right. That is such a critical scene because you're suddenly
0: just like, oh, I don't hate this person. <laughs>
1: like, um, yeah,
0: exactly. You know, I this person has like they he, they bring him to a low point and it makes him us able to interact with him so without you know, wanting to like gag <laughs> there's one, one other
1: scene from him that is just stunningly charming that I want to shout out uh-huh. and I think I was going to bring it up in a future section we can bring it up now because I actually think it works also really well on that chemistry conversation between him and Sally and that's just like this line that I, I it tickles me so much
2: at least I got the apartment
1: that's what everybody says to me too but really what's so hard about finding an
2: apartment what you do is you read the obituary column you find out who died, go to the building, and then you tip the dormant. What they could do to make it easier is combine the obituaries with the real estate section. So then you have Mr. Klein died today, leaving a wife, two children, and a spacious three-bedroom apartment with a wood-burning
1: fireplace. <laughs> And I just, I love it because like, what, it's funny. It's like, just go read the obituaries That's, that's funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. but two, like the way that that conversation progresses, how it starts as like a seed mm. where he makes a bit and then she plays off of it. And then eventually gets to the point of like, well, every obituation is have like, what kind of a heart that they live in? Like, that's a conversation I've had on like, not first dates, but you know, when I'm getting to know someone, when I'm actually yeah, exactly. engaging in a chemistry moment and he feels so natural in that moment, like, Following that train of thought that that's where his fast talking and his like quick uh, stand up and and improvisational style really feels human. And when she's playing into it, too, I think that's when this movie hums or their relationship really hums. So I don't know why that that one conversation always sticks out to me as like a profoundly human image of both him and their relationship altogether.
0: I think he totally hit the nail on the head, especially noting that like the stand-upness when he's engaging with other characters and actors is when that like really comes off without a hitch too. Yeah. And is is just absolutely perfect. And it's just I think when he ice there's a couple like moments where he sort of isolates, it feels like he's just kind of talking at you and you're like, okay, this isn't really landing. But that's few and far between. And I think it, it overall works really, really well. Let's talk about the second half of this movie. Let's talk about our girl, Meg Ryan, a.k.a. Sally. I don't think anyone has last names in this movie, by the way, which is just one of those weird little things. Huh. Uh, what do you – I, I kind of took the lead on, on Harry, so I feel bad I've talked too much. W- what do you have on Sally? Uh,
1: yeah, I, I love her. I don't know. She's amazing. Uh, she's <laughs> it's like, hard not to, right? Yeah. Like, like,
0: really, I think, is, is the I takeaway mean, of the movie. I,
1: I I've heard uh, I've heard commentary elsewhere about her hairstyles, but I'm not going to speak into that. I don't have it any was a thoughts. Time. Don't have any thoughts on Perbs. Um but outside of that, I think she's just like this perfect balance of like that and also like her arc is important for this too because I think when you meet yeah. her, you are like this person is annoyingly optimistic. I know people in this world who are overly happy in this way and I do not like spending time in cars with them because their conversations suck. Um <laughs> but by the time you come back to her later and she still got that joy. She saw as that like I don't want to use bubbliness because I think that's a sexist term that's often overly applied to women. But sure. there is a, a light to her and a lightness to yeah. her and a happiness to her and a positivity to her a mixed with a humor and an openness and a magnetism that is just delightful. And it, it yeah. creates a character, again, that is just like we keep saying the word charm. But in a weird way that I think is like really cool about this movie, I would actually take charm and add the word charisma for her character. And I think sure. she is the most charismatic in a lot of ways, like a magnetic character in this movie. And I only say that's really cool. Cause I think that's usually reserved for male protagonists in these kind of rom-coms is that they get to yeah. be the ones that are like charged with all this charisma and all this interest and all this magnetism. And then the female is usually kind of, um, the lesser character in that regard. But I mean, like I don't think I would have used the word charismatic with Harry in this movie. But I would with yeah. Sally, and I think that's just like a really neat aspect of of the film. Um, I have I have various scenes I could throw out about her, but yeah, I, I go guess I okay, cool, yeah. I think um, you know I don't know how well the the <laughs> orgasm scene
0: has aged. Um, it's I, funny. It's funny you even said it because I kept writing the diner scene. You're yeah, you're, you're stronger than me. I kind of I think it's aged incredibly. I, yeah. I don't have any problem with it.
1: Well, it's funny because I was watching it, and I was just like, you know, am I just like a child of purity culture and that's like my problem (laughs) um i think it's really funny and i think it captures like part of her character that again like in so many of these like modern rom-coms like they're quirky but they're quiet they're shy these female characters they have to be like drawn out of their shell Um, i always think of uh that parody movie and i cannot remember the name of it but where he's trying to pick a girl he has to take the prom. It's uh, Chris Evans, actually. And then, like, obviously this, like, very attractive girl, but she has, like, pigtail and paint on her overalls. He's like, oh, no, not her. She's impossible. She has glasses and pigtail. And, like... Um, and she's a nerd, and, like, that's how they, right. like, frame these characters. I love that she's not like that. She's the kind of girl in yeah. this movie who would, like, fake an orgasm loudly <laughs> at a restaurant. And that's hilarious. I think, though, like, the scene that I, I most love about her is by far uh, when she is having her existential crisis. All right. <laughs> uh, you got to cut in the I'm going to be well, 40. We have to
0: cut it. Yeah, the 40 when, The line yeah. is
1: unbelievable. I'm, I'm difficult. You challenge <laughs> I'm too structured. I'm completely closed off.
2: But in a good way.
1: No, no,
2: no. I drove him away. And I'm gonna be 40. When? Someday.
1: In eight years.
2: But it's there. It's just...
1: There, like this big dead end. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I've never related to another character more in my entire life. Like,
0: in eight years, she says through tears, I understand it. You're right. Yeah. We're there. I'm thirty. I'm gonna I'm be forty.
1: Win eventually.
0: <laughs> it's great. It's incredible. So I it's love incredible. her. Yeah, I love her. She's amazing. I totally agree. I want to just before we leave the diner seed, I just want to also mention part of why it works. And it is funny. I think seeing it like, like, like just having to like bludgeon through the, the being raised a purity culture thing. Yeah. Uh, It is though. What I will say is like, what still shocks me about the seed is just how much they go for it. And I think that's why it works ultimately is that when it starts, you think like, well, clearly this isn't going to go like that far. Right. And it goes pretty. It goes pretty far. It goes farther. It's a lot. It goes. it's farther. goes farther. <laughs> and that's exactly what we're saying is that it's so. That's something. That's a remarkable thing for that character to do. And that's not very importantly. That is. You're right. Not something that the a lot more modern versions of the rom com character would be comfortable doing. Right. Yeah. Something yeah. that that extreme, which is super fun. I yeah. I guess not to not to repeat the point. I I, I agree. She's she's so effortlessly can i can i jump can i jump in real quick and this is just
1: john this may be just a a wild thought but i just had like this epiphany in terms of what you just said which is that in modern rom-coms usually the charm of the male character is hidden beneath a layer of like popularity or damage and like Mm, the female character has to fix them draw it out yada 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 or grow them up and so often on the flip side of that, the, the charm and the personality of the female character is hidden behind a level of hiding, of being hidden. Yeah. Like they are a, a diamond in the rough that just no one else has identified. And when someone gives them enough attention, they blossom into this person that they they were destined to be. I yeah, love that absolutely. this movie is like she is who she is regardless of whether he's giving her attention or not. And this is just her character. This is just her personality. It shines through. That is amazing. I don't know why I just thought of that, but like there's something no, I, that's deeply individualistic about this movie that honors both of their individualism in a scene like that exemplifies it that you're right. It hasn't, it has aged well because I think it captures that so, so well, so powerfully. I don't know. I love it.
0: I totally agree. I think it's funny. Cause like, I also didn't anticipate this coming up so much, but it's really telling like, Despite this being the prototypical rom-com, it's actually amazing how much stuff it gets right that then they would eventually get super wrong, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think the characterization is the biggest part of it. What would, The sudden Syro, which I think is kind of what you're saying, you know, she's empowered, she's quirky, which is very archetypical female lead in rom-coms, but she's not aloof, and she's not misleading, and she's yeah. not... Like, like all of those characteristics that they put in basically what I call like sitcom plots, like they put in those little things so that they can have the like misunderstanding about something. But she's kind of just a breath of fresh air as far as that goes. She's basically exactly what you see in a way that I think these movies don't give the female characters that kind of personality a, a lot, which is so refreshing. I did write, I sort of wish she had a little bit more of an arc just because- Yeah. I, I, I broadly agree that the movie treats them very evenly. I do think, especially in the last 15 minutes, the movie tips its hand that Harry is kind of the main character, right? Or at least Harry is the character that has ultimately the most agency, I think, from a certain reading. Yeah. Um, or at least maybe that the movie is most interested in their aging, I, I guess I could say. I'm using a lot of, like, really qualified language because it's not that overt and it may not even be that bad but there is a sense i think at the very end where it's like uh, the movie is a little bit more interested in harry's perspective um and and i do want her to go on a little bit more of an arc but again all of that being said i I broadly absolutely agree with you uh i actually wrote down if i if i had to pull my best scene i wrote the diner would be the obvious choice this is a very out of left field pick but i want to say Justin marie's wedding
1: Oh, when yeah. she
0: puts when she puts Harriet's place and, and again talking about scenes that like you want to see in, in more of movies like this when she says to him
2: what are you saying you took pity on me no I was fuck you
0: so first of all my theater started clapping at that moment so yeah. so very much enjoyed that but truthfully like that's a great like even though it's a bad point in the relationship of the characters like that's the sort of self empowerment that is actually sort of Great to see. Like, like that's that's a character who does know like like is willing to stand up for herself, which again is not always something that these kinds of movies are good at portraying. No. Um and it's, so and it's really another
1: profoundly relatable human moment between them. Of like, if yeah. you've been in a marriage or relationship long enough, you've said something that you immediately wish you could reach out and grab and take it back. And hopefully yeah. your spouse or significant other didn't slap you. That would be good. Um <laughs> did not accost you physically. But we've all been there where you deserved it. <laughs> like, yeah, and, and
0: exactly. Like,
1: it's so relatable. Yeah, yeah, hundred uh, percent.
0: Okay, we've spent like thirty minutes on just the two characters, so let's yeah. let's get What's the ball What's the movie? A I mean, bit. I feel bad about that. Uh, Marie and Jess, just to finish off the characters, uh, are absolutely incredible. Every yeah. single thing. So Marie is played by Carrie Fisher. Jess is played by Bruno Kirby. Every single thing Marie says is gold. Yep. I, I, I'm I'm going to have to, I'm going to be tempted to cut in a lot here and then hate myself later when I'm editing this. I want to call out at least one moment.
2: Remember what happened with David Warsaw? His wife left him and everyone said, give him some time. Don't move him too fast. Six months later, he was dead.
0: This character is just the absolute greatest character yeah. I've ever seen. In yeah. the movie. She's, yeah. she's delightful. She's absolutely hysterical. Lines like that just come thick and fast and and every one of them is great. Again, I'm going to avoid just listing lines real quick. But, um, and, and you know, I, I do want to hear your thoughts on them. I do want to say, though, broadly speaking, the way that the best friends are used in the story yeah. and oh, yes. the, the contrast of the fact that they're two people who are unafraid of intimacy and relationship and connection, as opposed to, obviously, our main characters, is just drawn so gracefully and yet so so starkly that it just works so well and the i, I guess one other seed, uh which this will be a very quick cut yeah.
2: i mean you can call marie it's fine but just like wait a week or so you know
0: don't make any moves
2: tonight fine no problem i wasn't even thinking about tonight well i don't really feel much like walking anymore i think i'll get a cab i'll go with you huh? great taxi <laughs>
0: So the fact that they do that, that they make that move so quickly, which obviously is played for laughs and is absolutely hysterical. But again, like there's a story beat behind the laugh, right? Like the fact that as opposed to our two main characters who literally are left standing there alone together uh, are unable to cross that bridge because of all their own hangups. And in the contrast of their friends who are able to just say, yes, this is right. And I'm not going to second guess it is so beautiful and is so lovely and and you just love every moment you have with them. So sorry. I said a lot about them. Marie and Jess, do you have anything?
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, like, (laughs) like, yeah, yeah. I have many, many things to say that I'll try to keep short. Um, In terms of not also quoting the entire movie, you can't bring up Marie and Carrie Fisher's performance without the liturgy about the husband that she's with, like that liturgy is, it's always funny. Like, and it's also like sincere, and it also feels real, and it also like, you know, feels like a conversation that friends would have. But like, just the repeated, like, he's not gonna leave, leave her. Oh, I know, you're right. Like, there's just something but again really funny and, about and, it.
0: And again, like we've said it a couple times, but the movie even double dips there a little bit. That It's always played for last, but the very last time before she meets Jess, when she's talking to, to Sally, and like they have a real moment of looking at each other, like, he's not going to leave her, is he? And Sally's so yeah. like, no, he's not. And you're like, you know, it's played for last, but that feels real. Absolutely. I've had relational things where my friends could look at me and say, like, this isn't going to happen. And at some point, you need to understand that. Yeah. is like a powerful moment. So it, yeah. it can double dip in that way, which is very authentic.
1: Yep. Yep. And, and it's also very... Uh, man, it's weird. It's like the way that it brings attention to it is non-judgmental. Like that, she is yeah. in this like complicated relationship with a married man. Like so many other movies, there'd be a come up, comeuppance, or there'd be a little bit more like moralizing around that. And it's refreshing in terms of just depicting what friendship actually looks like. That it doesn't do that. Uh, yeah. in which you but are sometimes just like,
0: your friend is doing some wild stuff it's and, you're like, and you're like stupid
1: and you're like every like <laughs> you're an idiot and i've told you an idiot a thousand times and you keep bringing this up but i love you so i'm gonna just well, i'm just gonna let you talk about it when you get to the conclusion that we all already know i'm gonna go yep that's right
0: <laughs> that's yeah and, you know? and i'm gonna still accept you and love you but yeah. also i've been telling you i've been telling yeah. you for years absolutely. Uh, absolutely it's a very real character Anything on Bruno Kirby, Jess, he's fun. He doesn't have, he's not as, he doesn't jump off the screen in the same way. No, I I think a great, like male bonding between, it is, you know,
1: I I mean, again, you already brought up the football game. We already talked about that, but the Mr. Zero new thing is like really funny. It's like, he he is awesome in that scene. Um, He is hilarious. As like someone in a, a marriage and, you know, lives with his wife the wagon wheel table is really funny. The entire thing is <laughs> Such like a great moment. <laughs> and and I do appreciate, like I have been oblivious to like how stupid something that I am just convinced we need looks <laughs> Like it looks dumb and like, and my sweet wife knows, and you know, my friends aren't afraid to tell me and yada, yada, yada. So I like, I, I love it. Yeah.
0: I really appreciate what? him. He's so, he's so genuinely hurt when he says, I thought you liked it. And Harry he says, I was just being so I, polite. He, nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It is. Uh Mike what do we have we've covered the characters now so just opening up the floor uh w- what else do you think works about this movie what you say Um I think that one of the 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 the, the, ri- the richness
1: of it one of the most rich parts is is its balance of humor with like and we've been talking about this a little bit but with little dabs of like affecting resonance right Um Yeah absolutely you know, we've already gone through humor I I think the only other things I shut out about like funny scenes is like their entire debate about Casablanca Chef's kiss hilarious, um, <laughs> great.
0: But uh, if, if we're if we're covering the fever scenes, I'll just mention too when they are comparing uh, the other person's like boyfriend or girlfriend, like like they're at the oh, same yeah. time they're at the, so the party and like say how much they dislike the other person's partner, yeah. And then they and then and then they bring up their own partner like oh yeah they're okay I like them alright. And it's just, again, very real, very funny it yeah. just really lands. Uh, but sorry. So go ahead. So done with yeah. the humor now.
1: Absolutely. Well, also Sheldon, the Wonder Dog or whatever. That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, right. um, um, but yeah. I, and then it'll just have these moments that I think are just like absolutely stunningly reflective and aware and 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 like memorable in the way that they kind of capture like something more somber you know it reminds yeah. me a lot of a movie that came out this year at times not not all the way through because this movie's not a comedy like uh Harry Met Sally is but it reminds me of this movie Past Lives which is basically hmm. a a Sliding Doors movie that is just about the ways that we relate to each other across time and then the relationships that we don't say yes to for whatever reason drama Bad luck, bad circumstance, you know, uh, timing, like and just the ways that we are like shaped by the choices we make that we have to ultimately live with. Right. And I think this movie captures that in a really way. And it captures like the struggle of like uh, of of wrestling with that in a really powerful way and and the struggle of of being someone who is old enough to recognize that this life is not going to go on forever and who is thus wondering if they missed opportunities um, or is becoming self-aware enough to ask questions like am I only with this person because I don't want to be alone I think like the thing that like really comes to mind is the entire conversation about whether she misses you know mm. her ex
2: I don't miss him I really don't
1: not even a little
2: you know what I miss I miss the idea of him maybe I only miss
1: the idea villain no I miss the whole Ellen. In- I mean that monologue yep. that monologue is so affecting to me. Like I've been yeah. there. I've asked those questions. I know what it means to wrestle with those concepts. So so there's just like bits and pieces and and it what it, it's it's cool. I I cannot remember for the life of me what other movie we talked about this with so I apologize. But it's like the opposite of what you'll often see where there'll be a drama and it'll intersperse these like palate cleansers of comedy. This is the other way yeah. around where it's a comedy that will intersperse these palate cleansers of of just attentiveness to the human condition yeah. that I think are just really moving.
0: I, I would say there's, there's an emotional maturity to all of it. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. that like moments like that clue you in that's like, even though this can be very funny and very silly, like the, the writing behind it and the characters behind it and the ideas behind it are coming are, are not a juvenile place emotionally. Right. Yeah. It's like, this, this is very developed and a very yeah. considered uh, approach. Yeah. And these, and these
1: characters aren't a joke to the writer or director.
0: Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. They are, they
1: are not a punchline. They are real um, to them. And, and you feel that. Uh, sorry, go on. I didn't mean to interrupt.
0: No, no, no. That's all I had for that, actually. Um, I want to talk real briefly about just the setting of the movie. Um, yeah. ah, so there's a few things to say here. Horrible One, town. New York in this movie. Uh, what I wrote down, Mike, is I wrote down beautiful horse shit, Upper class, idyllic (laughs) Wonderland, New York. This is not a real New York. We need to establish that. Uh, This is a little bit like when you watch an LA movie and somehow there's no traffic and everyone yeah collateral where he drives, you
1: know, get from one side of town to the other in thirty minutes, and you're like, oh, okay.
0: Or or it's. I just said this for L.A., but this works better. Or if you watch a Florida movie and for some reason everyone lives by the ocean on a beach yeah. and it's like, well, yeah. Florida's I, always, like that.
1: I always remember there's a shot of Burn Notice where they're in Tallahassee and there's like a dock and you're like, excuse <laughs> I don't, me? I know exactly
0: what you're talking about. <laughs> we have to do a Bird Notice episode. Like, by the way. <laughs> I don't day. know how we structure it because it's a TV show, but we'll yeah. do it. At any rate, yeah, a lot of that stuff, I think. So, so, So this New York, trust me, is not real. It's kind of real if you're rich enough, but even then, it's not that real. But still, as a, as a fantasy land to put your brain in for an hour and a half, it's, it's lovely. It's so yeah. warm and fall. And, 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 and the fact, I, I actually wrote down, is this kind of a sneaky Christmas movie or holiday movie? Because it takes place over several years and it concentrates on one year specifically. But all the key moments seem to be set against like just these gorgeous fall colors, yeah, these winter sure. colors, the holidays, all of the sweaters. To me, it just feels like a holiday movie. Yeah, I get um, that. It's just you just want to sit there, and then also just broadly speaking, I'm gonna have more to say about some of the style and aesthetic later. Not necessarily what doesn't work, but just in, in some thoughts just, we have later. Just some thoughts, just thoughts. Yeah, but what I will say is the styling is peak kind of late '80s. I don't know if it's quite yuppie, but it, it's approaching that. Mm. As a 90s kid, that's something that, like, I think I actually have a tremendous amount of nostalgia and affection Interesting. for. So I'm not going to say it's good. Yeah. But there's a part of me that's like, yeah, like like seeing their houses with all of the freaking, like, random accoutrement everywhere. And just seeing all of that, I think, to me, there's something almost warm about it. You know, like like early 90s, kind of, late 80s, early 90s stuff. Uh, kind of takes me back. So yeah, I sure. appreciate that. Love that. Uh, what else do you have?
1: um man pacing 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 chris 90
0: <sighs> Woo, we say it this... all the time but like so how you know i said an hour and a half a second ago but how long is this movie actually?
1: it is an hour and 35 with credits it is well, it, what perfect. are we doing perfect what are we doing these perfect. days perfect it's beautiful see, you're in you're i out. see these garbo i mean they're not <laughs> garbage i actually like a lot of these movies but dude like <laughs> you know knocked up it's, and stuff it's, it's like two yeah. hours long it's like what are we doing guys like i don't need to sit with this loser for two
0: and like crucially it's an hour and a half but you don't feel like shorted at it no like you, it's so you go perfect. on a huge journey you spend a lot of time with the characters it uses its time so well right well,
1: it, it's it's so interesting because like w- we haven't talked about rob reiner and i think there's a reason for that um yeah because I, like, I, th-
0: I I I think he's underrated at a certain point. No no but... no no no.
1: Yeah, let me let me finish the thought. I think he's yeah. A, yeah sorry, he's a ahead. wildly competent director. Yes. No highs. Yeah. No lows. His movies just work, and he does yeah. what they need to do for each one. Few Good Men, Princess Bride, Stand by Me, This Is Spinal Tap, Misery. You're not gonna watch those movies and be like the direction. It's not like Martin Scorsese doing this wild shit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is so good at pacing. He is so good at leanness, at keeping only what is needed for the movie to move and make sense and hit the emotional beats and get the laughs. He is just like a clockmaker with this stuff. And he's not going to get the praise that he deserves because he does have a strange career and he doesn't do the kind of extravagant work behind the camera. But his consistency and his core competence is truly stunning. And it is really yeah. something to be celebrated. And this is like a perfect example of that. This movie is lean. I, this movie has no fat. This movie is just what it needs to be. And that is awesome.
0: Yeah. I think to to your point, I think he is very script dependent. Yeah. So for this, oh, like, amen. Yeah. for this like 10 years that he was getting just the great like he was, I don't know if he just started choosing worse scripts or what happened. But for this 10 years that he was choosing the absolute greatest scripts you've ever read. It was just banger after banger, and it was yeah. it was amazing. And we were it was, it was it's a really good if nothing else the taste of picking those things, and the ability to stay out of the way of the script, you know. Yep. I think is is so so important, um, which I can also use real quick as just a launching point to say the script is unbelievable. Yep. Uh You know maybe 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 one of the best scripts ever written. Did this win anything? I forgot to check all the all the important has stuff. Has Nora Ephron won an Oscar at all? I believe she's been nominated. So now we're just gonna have to take a take a take a break while I do a little bit of reconnaissance real quick. Uh, so yeah, I think there's a lot. so she never won an Oscar. She was nominated for this movie. Mm-hmm. For when uh for Sleepless in Seattle and for Silkwood, this movie did win Best Original Screenplay at the BAFTAs, which is cool. That's good. Yeah. Um, it's also worth mentioning, just in terms of her filmography, she went on to eventually direct, uh, and of course directed uh You've Got Mail, Julie and Julia. I didn't, bewitch. which this is a great catalog. Um, we have to confess, Mike and I, in the process of looking this up earlier. Had hadn't realized that she had passed away 10 years ago, truly a tremendous loss. Like I think, especially when she's got into the directing side of things, her writing style, like we've already said it a couple times, but there's such a humanity to all of these characters. Right. And there's such a realness and a lived inness to this world and, and, to how these people relationally interact with each other. Um, I think it's just, it's, it's so good. And it, it's yeah. so incredible. Um, this script specifically what i you know just briefly what i wrote down it, it has such a good balance of the sort of flashy dialogue moments i wrote like the sort of Sorcony almost moments that are feel highly written with but it doesn't feel it has the balance where it doesn't feel overly already arti- artificial it doesn't feel yeah. produced i don't feel yep. like yep. um it has moments that feel extemporaneous, like when they're when they're talking about their oldest sexual fantasy.
2: Well, basically, it's the same one I've been having since I was twelve. What happens? No, it's it's too embarrassing. Don't tell me. Okay, there's this guy. What's he look like? I don't know. He's just kind of faceless. Faceless guy. Okay, then what? He rips off my clothes. Then what happens? That's it. That's it. A faceless guy rips off your clothes, and that's the sex fantasy you've been having since you were twelve. Exactly the same. Well, sometimes I varied it a little. Which part? What I'm wearing.
0: A moment like that is, is <laughs> incredible. It feels very natural. It feels very yeah. separatious. Yeah. Um, but then you have you know you have the four way phone call, which again is a very flashy oh, yeah. ridden moment. But it works perfectly. You have, and it's crazy we haven't mentioned it yet, but you have the entire final speech. And that is just an extraordinary romantic moment. Like that yep. is the there's literally like a marquee. We will remember that in filmmaking forever. Yeah. Because everyone's heart leaps when they hear that yep. that whole that whole thing.
1: As but I you wrote, have that stuff. As I wrote in my notes, the final five minutes of this movie rips. All caps, yeah. italicized, underlined. Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's so beautiful and and stuff like that again is just, just portraying how strong I think the foundation of the writing is behind it. Um, so yeah, I just, I just, I can't say enough positive about Nora Ephron in general. And in this movie, uh, I think it's just really something special. It's no wonder that this movie codified so much about this genre. Yeah. Like it'd be impossible not to watch this movie and, and you know, want to like make more things that are like this. You want to live in that world still. Yeah. Um, Anything else, Mike, on the writing or even just anything else for this movie on why, why it works?
1: Um, I I think I probably get less positive run out of this than a lot of other people I've heard talk about this movie. But I do I do mm-hmm. like it. I do think it works. Let me put it that way. I think the interviews are cool. Um, Yeah, I, I agree. I like, I, I like it a lot as the cold open. Um,
0: it's brilliant as the cold open, I would yeah, say.
1: I think there are probably too many of them, but that's whatever. Sure. Uh, that feels like a nitpick. That. It feels minor. Um some of them are weird, but that's <laughs> humanity. So I think I accept that too. Um so yeah, that's the last nit I really had was just to shout out the interviews, I think. Um I'm gonna
0: they, have a little bit more about to say about them later too. Again, just in stray thoughts. Nothing yeah, I don't think there's anything yeah. too bad about them. There are uh, some things you write that have aged super weird. The the one guy that was clearly it's an arranged marriage and it does does a great yeah, job yeah. of like for giving you so, so in feminist theory, there's something called the, the the male gaze, right? Uh, which you know, Mike, but just you know, just for anyone who doesn't, yeah, it's just a very big deal. Like the way that stories and relationships, especially over history, are so often framed specifically from the male perspective. So, hearing the one guy in the arranged marriage talk about going to see his wife and and before they were married and looking at her as she was doing something and saying, like, she is beautiful, so I will marry her. I'm certain came across as very charming in 1989 and comes across at least to me as very problematic in 2020. Well, yeah. And, and she and, never
1: talks in the entire thing, but anyway,
0: right, 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 right. And, and so their whole thing, uh, that would, I, I guess I forget. So, so this was going to come up later. If you don't know, the stories are all real, uh but you are watching actors those are all actors that they hired Mm. to read the stories that they had collected so i i actually accepted that as a directing choice but maybe that's even worse because now it's it's a directing choice that's really betraying like the the starkness of you know how not egalitarian that kind of arrangement can be uh so yeah tough tough times with some of that we've now kind of started straying into why this movie doesn't work so i think we'll go ahead and and do that actually though let's take a quick break mike and then we'll, we'll get into why this movie doesn't work welcome back everyone so getting into what we've already we've already been, been like really right there in this ballpark so let's just do it what has not age the best in this movie why is this movie not work what holds this movie back uh there's a lot to talk about i mean maybe not too much not exactly here's the first thing i wrote mike and i'm just gonna say this (sighs) i'm just gonna put this sentence out there and i'm just you know what it's gonna happen and we can we can we can all be okay with it not exactly sure how to word this but wow this is a straight cis white rich people movie huh (laughs) Uh -huh. like that is that is 100 percent yeah this movie's perspective yep um and that is just you got to just make amends just with that, that because yep. it doesn't it doesn't cater to anything else and even the slightest bit it doesn't cater to even middle class america it doesn't cater to obviously that and, and just to be clear I, I keep saying cater it obviously could work outside of those demographics but it's just very telling that the biggest like rom-com in 1989 is so specifically targeted in terms of its demographic yep um, it also just, I, I put this as the same point. This could be expanded into a bigger point, but there's a lot of gender essentialism in the movie, uh-huh. which is very 1989. So uh-huh. I'm, I'm broadly willing to give it a, give it a pass, I guess, but it's just weird. This is very icky. Yep. Just the sense of like, you know, this is, the movie just is very interested in saying a lot about like men are this women yeah. are this that I think just reads very weird in 2023 um i do think it's important to note once again that the movie does not advocate for because i just see the set a lot where like oh that's the movie with that whole thing about like men and women can't be friends again i don't think the movie advocates for that perspective i think it specifically states that that's incorrect by the end of it um but there is still a lot of gender aside from that there's still a I lot mean, of gender essentialism but, so but does it though, you can disagree with me does it I, though- I think it does i think that the the journey of of the main character. Now I guess you, you may or may not be hinting at, uh, which I guess we should talk about this. The original screenplay for this movie. First of all, we we never mentioned the movie was in some ways based on the relationship of Rob Reiner and Nora Mm Ephron, um, who did not end up together. And the original ending for the movie was that they didn't end up together, that they reconciled as friends, but they did not become romantically, uh, partners. Right. Yep. Um, and, it's a really fascinating question because I think a lot of people as as I kind of perceive you might be hinting at a lot of people read that as the movie advocating for that first perspective that men and women can't be friends cuz cuz sex gets in the way of it. I actually don't read the movie that way and I can I will I will hear the other arguments though. Like I accept I could just be wrong. I could just be reaching cuz I like the movie. To me, the movie is about Harry's kind of journey towards re-examining that viewpoint and realizing that like his friendship is the doorway into real intimacy, basically realizing that like he's been separating the idea of women and friendship in his head because he only saw women as, you know, truthfully sexual objects as, as relational objects, you could even say. And that the whole arc of the movie is that he becomes friends with like actual friends with a woman and then after having sex, he he first has this jump of, oh, you know, she's back to being an object a relational thing that he doesn't know how to understand. And he is then able to reconcile both things together and say, oh, that's not, that's not true. And also that stops me from being able to accept what is very obviously a connection that I feel with this person. So he gets over all of that and then he's able to, Actually live in intimacy with this person. As I'm saying all of that, I'm realizing uh-huh. I'm bringing a lot to the table, uh-huh. and I accept that. I, like, I accept that. Counterpoint. Counterpoint. Yeah, yeah, hit me. This, hit me with the counterpoint. This You're movie. Right.
1: This movie is about a guy who says that mm-hmm. men and women can't be friends because they'll have sex and want to be together. And then he meets a woman who he becomes friends with, and then they have sex, and then they get yeah. up together. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah yeah. i mean sure i guess if you want to say it that way yeah whatever so like it's tough it's a tough one it's not that i
1: i disagree with any of your reading i actually think that that's there and i think that they change it is interesting because basically the story also is that he was divorced so he wanted to make this movie that was like more gray and then he like got another relationship before they finished like shooting it. Which is super
0: funny, actually. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and it was always very relatable to that, too. So it has a more optimistic outlook in the end on whatever. Um, So it's not that I disagree with anything you just said. It's more just that, like, the conclusion (laughs) ends up undermining the idea. Like, um, whether it does or not, sorry, whether it does or not, it still ends that way. And there is is something far more interesting in... um, (laughs) cohesive and if you're trying to make this like point that that to undermine the argument that they're gonna eventually be romantic, you should have them not be romantic in the end. I mean it feels simple <laughs> to say that, but that's just like the way it has to be. Um so I don't know. And it's man. also
0: tricky because the last scene is so romantic. And yeah. Is so like like yeah. like again a marquee moment for all of culture of like, you know, the romantic speech and everything. So I feel like it's also tough because in my case like i i i feel a little towards sometimes just speaking to your point where it's like i want the movie some part of me is like the movie probably would be better if they don't end up together in that first version because to your point i think it is hard to overlook that it does buy into that that basic point but the ending is so beautiful it's so wonderful it's so romantic that you want that to happen too so yeah it's tough it's tough to navigate I think that that,
1: is my fundamental point that i wrote is just that, yeah. like, I, I actually feel the same way about the end of this movie that I feel about like, uh, or that Sally felt about Harry, where she's like, I want to hate you, <laughs> like, I kind of, I kind of yeah. want to hate the conclusion of this movie. I really do. I want to be like, yeah, what a bunch of horseshit. <laughs> like, you're gonna end up in the, <gasps> in this like argument that like, yeah, they're gonna end up together, but I can't, I can't hate it because I love it so much. Uh, and I, yeah. I, I don't want the ending of this movie to be different. I want the conversation about gender essentialism to not be in it. Um, like, I don't want it's it so... to not. I, ju- I do not want it to be anything but them ending up together. Cause I love that. I just wish right. that they didn't like, you know, tell me I can't have friends who are female before.
0: We got to yeah. that point. It's, t- it's, 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 it's very much like, I, I just, I really love your point where it's like, we are uh, Sally at the end of the movie where yeah. you're just looking at it. and You're like, ah, this is so aggravating. But like, yeah, it's charming enough. I'm okay. I'm there. That's at least the journey I go on. Yep, Here's too. why I guess why I would say also is like if someone if that's too much of a hang up, I would accept that. Yeah, if someone's I, get like, it. I can't get over that this presentation of the movie. And it's some, something I certainly wish movies did better. Um But yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Well what also do you have? just real quick,
1: it is it's equally frustrating as someone who like has, and I think this is true for most American men people who identify as men who grew up with masculinity. That is a journey you have to go on. You are taught mm. fundamentally to think of women as like objects of desire or relationship. And you yeah. do have to like go on a journey of being like, that's ridiculous. I could have a non-sexualized friendship with a
0: female. Um, and that's true. Again, that's, especially that's, like, like culturally, which this movie is, of course, part of that yeah. dialogue. So, yeah. So, yeah,
1: like, ahead. that's what makes it even more frustrating is I do think that there is underneath this somewhere like an interesting transition that he's that Harry is going through to get to a more open space. Uh, it, it just is not reinforced by how the movie ends. Anyway, saying the yeah. same thing over and over again. Uh, something else that didn't work. Uh <sighs> mm. Do you just want to say like the first 15 minutes of this movie? I mean, like,
0: yeah, let's, let's talk about it. Let's explore. What do you like?
1: I wrote just pretty much every interaction where Harry is hitting on Sally. I mean, the opening when Harry is in a relationship and he's clearly hitting on her. And then the line, uh, can't a man say a woman is attractive without it being a come on. Oh, I just wrote yeesh. I wrote down the line. Yeah. wrote yeesh.
0: It was definitely, I'll tell you what was particularly wild was again, seeing this in the theater in 2017 with a bunch of students And like, again, like I felt the atmosphere in the first 20 minutes and you know, I have a lot of anxiety, so maybe I was reading into it. But in the first 20 minutes, I felt like, like the, there was a refrigerator on in the room, right? Like everyone's stance was getting colder and colder towards the movie of just like, man, this guy is such a dick. It is so like, it is just such a douchebag. It is so it's everything about it's bad. But again, I think it's important for the story. And once that turn happens where he talks about his divorce and we get into them having being a friendship, I think that all falls and you're like, yes. okay, yes. so it's conflicting because again, I think that setup is important, is part of the story that if you didn't have it, the story would be worse and actually wouldn't totally work. Uh, but boy, yeah, that's, it's kind of what I said earlier too. I think the key is also realizing like he definitely comes across worse now than he did in 1989, yeah. right? Yeah.
1: And I think, I think today, if this movie was remade, they would find a way to make him suck without being like a a, a scumbag without a creep. Yeah. Like when yeah, he's, yeah. when he's hitting on her on the plane, you're just like, what the, what the hell, dude? Like, That's what I was saying again, borderline wild,
0: harassment, wildly like, like getting the guy to move to. And, and, like, all the probing questions well, and, and that are she says, come across she as, like, says, charming.
1: She says no, and then he does not yeah, anyway. exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's wild.
0: There's yeah. a couple things like that. And, and, like, again, all those probing questions that come across, that are meant to come across, I think, as, like, charming and quirky, but are just invasive, just blatantly evasive, especially when the person is saying, I don't want to talk to you about that. It's just, like, yeah. what are we doing? Yeah. So, yeah, that's all bad. And, and again, I, I want to re-emphasize, I think the movie does want you to dislike him at the beginning but not to that extent and not in that way. And so that that's tough and has aged pretty badly. Um, continuing on the trade and and hearkening back to my little intro, just got to say as beautiful as New York and excuse me, as beautiful as New York city is in this movie, this is an upper class fever dream. Like it just really (laughs) is. It is just, and like, I think your, is your apartment not that big, John, you know, it's a little smaller, Mike. And and the views not (laughs) quite the same, I, I, the one thing I will grant this movie as opposed to a lot of its forebears is that at the very least it's, it makes sense in the context of the story. Cause he seems to be a relatively high profile lawyer. She's a journalist at people magazine, I believe they say, or New York magazine. They say it at the one dinner, but I don't remember a prominent publication. So like still annoying, but at least in the context, it's not like friends where somehow this person is a barista working in like, a two, or sorry, this is a person's a barista living in a like two million dollar penthouse, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, I think Friends explains that, so get out of my DMs if you, yeah, it's also them. a bad <laughs> show, it just sucks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tough times. get at my DMs, I don't care, come at me. <laughs> <laughs> so, it at least excuse that, but still annoying that it's like this is apparently how, how, who we were talking to back then and felt like we were talking to everyone, yeah. Um, I got my only things left are super petty. So, uh, do you have anything else very significant for why this movie doesn't work?
1: Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. Um, All okay. right, I, I,
0: think, think, those are, I we, think we covered the big things. Yeah, I
1: mean, I, I will say, like, I think you're like immediately struck by the tragedy of like Carrie Fisher's success and career. Yeah. Cause I, I, she's amazing as a character actor. In this movie, I'm still like, that's princess Leia like multiple times. Um, yeah. So like, that's a little distracting and that just sucks. It's kind of, um, uh, what did it's Daniel Radcliffe effect today. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. And so like that, that I wonder say, if
0: culturally they're not trapped yeah but, you know. yeah and i
1: don't mm-hmm. think that doesn't work but it definitely takes me out of the movie like there was no even forgetting she was in this movie coming back to it after all these years i was like oh princess leia and you're like oh dang uh, i'm the damn. reason that you yeah. couldn't get more work like this so sorry um, yeah. so yeah i think that's it that's a small thing though it definitely is not like it definitely does not break the movie you know what i mean
0: yeah totally totally agree And know this isn't in what doesn't work but also just to mention a little bit weird looking back across the 1990s where they both became superstars to like to looking back on Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan who have, I think basically been just fading into irrelevance for yeah. the last like 15, Once 20 the last years. last time either um, was not a hit? No. Yeah. I don't. I, I mean, they may have even semi-retired. I haven't totally checked up on it, but yeah, it's just a little bit weird. Like, like seeing like that. And when you watch this movie, you're like in front of that person is both like the, the apex, but also the decline just weird just yeah. a weird thing to think when you're looking back on it uh two things very petty there's a moment at the end where with a little bit of billy crystal voiceover uh which i think is just it's played kind of for laughs it's just to drive home his loneliness his loneliness without sally uh it's just kind of it just feels so random that i didn't like it yep like, I, 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 like I thought the scene would have just worked without it and like so as long as that's true why throw a voiceover for exactly like two lines of the movie like why the, not just the not
1: official together? stance of this podcast is 99% of the time voiceover always sucks so yeah
0: if you're not Shawshank Redemption then you're on thin ice yeah. and and so it's tough uh last one this could have been a straight thought but I put it here this movie is absolute garbage for not giving us the shot of their best friends reacting to them finally getting together that was all I needed actually I, I would have write to Rob Ryder now and say like Like not, you know, if, is there a way, I guess Carrie Fisher passed away. We can't do it. Nora Ephraim passed away. It's been too long, Mike, but I want the shot. I want Jess and Marie who have been like begging for their best friends to finally just become a couple. I want to see the elation on their face. Why Uh, did they rob me? And they're at the party. They're there. They're They're there. We could have just cut over. I mean, I, I get it again. Keeping the movie tight, like give them the, give them the big speech and then just cut it. Like great direction, but me personally, in my parasocial relationship with the characters of the movie, I'm I'm left I'm left wanting. I guess yep. is my problem. I agree. Yeah, I'm with you. It's annoying. I don't get it. Uh, that basically is a stray thought. So I guess we can just we just just jump right in if you're cool with that. Yeah, let's dive in. Uh, stray thoughts. Exactly what it says. We've each collected some some random ideas about the movie, and we'll go back and forth. Uh, why don't you go? As long as I just said. One minute, I have
1: the I epitome of a straight thought for my first one. Mm, I just okay. I just, I just, wrote this. I said, I feel like we could have an interview like this movie. <laughs> like the ones in this movie. <laughs> you and I. <laughs>
0: oh, my God. It would be beautiful. It's true, though. Yeah. It's true. It would be it would be very beautiful. I do think. I think the the telling thing is you could do that with a lot of people, right? It's a yeah. relationship. Uh, but you're right. Especially. I like the couples that have a little bit more bite to their to their backstory where yeah. it's not quite so idyllic i think those ones are very I,
1: I did i like the elevator one too
0: yeah the elevator one yeah. was actually yeah. actually so we might as well so uh unfortunate in a sense just for my uh stray thoughts we'll go ahead and do it now i was gonna ask your favorite old people story uh, i said the two who see each other for like 30 years later in new york and recognize each other instantly was my personal favorite um yeah and then, and, and then also an honorable mention for the couple who i think is the elevator one but the couple that keeps talking over each other yep that's the one uh, that's the... absolutely hysterical that's the elevator one yeah, yeah that's my uh, that that's my great.
1: that was my favorite because it felt the most real even though they're actors we we're just yeah. like yeah they you get a try good job with that one throw out details that like you think the other ones were getting right as they're saying it <laughs> the thing that you thought they forgot it's great yeah
0: that was the one that surprised me when i found out that they weren't Real, yeah it the feels so, so real yeah lived in, yeah feels like sure. a relationship yeah so that was one of mine so we can go ahead uh you can go ahead again then.
1: okay uh another, another epitome of stray thought the knicks championship is still the funniest joke of all time and it, it <laughs> ages like fine wine like every year it gets funnier when he like <laughs> shoots the blot of paper and it clunks off it's great so good it's it's, it's
0: like that the, the the ball bouncing out of there resonates throughout history yeah and the fact that the joke still lands is just like yeah it's just it's a chef's kiss moment for Yep, for, for it's real. perfect and it it's just like even in their fantasies nicks can't win a title <laughs> anyway absolutely brutal yeah uh at the dinner party where they're trying to get their their friends to to you know uh become to to Date each other and then they can't do it and they fall in love with the wrong person. One of them says the line restaurants are to people in the 80s, what theater was in the 60s. Couple thoughts. One, wow, I, I do not have cool enough friends to talk about culture that way. I just <laughs> want to say that. Like, like I'm just like, wow, that's incredible. And then second thought, damn, I should have lived in the 80s, I guess. I feel like that's how I want to approach restaurants, but yeah. like that's just not like the approach that that exists nowadays. It's, it's very great, much it's at least my friend group is very much like we just need to get food to eat to survive and I'm like I get that but you know so it's a great line just want to shout that out and uh yeah tell me the cool restaurants are there any in New York jury is out who knows who's to say who's to say Not big. can you afford to go to them if there are probably not I mean that's the I was avoiding that Mike because that was the real that's the bummer you've now brought reality into my my silly (laughs) fantasy
1: yikes
0: (laughs) (laughs) anyways too Uh, deep Um,
1: another, I've just been on a roll. These are just stray, the strayest Mm. of stray thoughts. Yeah. Who the hell spits a grape seed onto someone's window? Relatedly, (laughs) who the hell uses hairspray inside of a car?
0: So the hairspray is obviously dated. Uh, I guess the question is like, do people eat grapes that way? Right. Yeah. because I feel like just the idea of leaning back and eating grapes and spitting them out the car is just like feels more like the 1930s than the 2012. Yeah,
1: see. (laughs) yeah
0: no i hate it hate it hated that
1: i more than any sexist thing he said i hate that i hated him for
0: that
1: (laughs) i was like this is garbage
0: you suck (laughs) tough times uh speaking of which written during the first this was a note i took during the first 10 minutes of the movie man how horrible it used to be having to interact with people you didn't know oh because nowadays the entire car ride could have just been like he gets in within five minutes it's clear we're not people that are going to be friends And he puts on headphones and just sits on his phone the rest of the time. Right. Like things are as much as all the old people are like, (laughs) oh, cell phones are ruining the world. I quite enjoy being able to say, I'm going to opt out of the social interaction and just talk to the cool people on my phone instead. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes that's preferable to the company that you're in. Yeah and, yeah. and that's the way it is. So tough times, uh, 1989 having to actually interact with shitty people. You know what I'm saying? Legit, impre- <laughs> legit jealous of that take. That's a great take. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's true. Uh, what do you have?
1: Uh, Harry explaining to Sally why life is meaningless and she'll die alone in New York and it can't save her as pretty much me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all
0: i mean you it is one of your favorite things to say is yeah. dust to what? what's the for, uh, <laughs> ashes, ashes, dust and, oh yeah, uh, yeah ashes ashes dust no I yeah, know. Yeah.
1: ephesians ecclesiastes
0: you but one of the ones that starts with e <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> you that's devil. where that you know i've forgotten more about that than you'll ever know that may not be true you technically went to seminary uh, That's um, wildly untrue At the end of the movie, this is now just a little bit of trivia I found. At the end of the movie, Billy Crystal is running through the streets of New York to see Meg Ryan on New Year's Eve. Mm. Uh, At the end of Sleepless in Seattle, also written by Nora Ephron, Meg Ryan is running through the streets of New York to see Tom Hanks on Valentine's Day. Uh, You may call it formulaic, but I call it having a style. And you know what? Just as magical in that movie as it was in this movie. Actually, I like this movie more, so I'll say a little bit more magical here, but... Uh, still fun that she returns to that a couple times.
1: Sure, yeah, that's cool.
0: Yeah, Um, good times.
1: So here's a another piece of trivia. Uh, Efron apparently supplied the structure of the film, but then a lot of the dialogue is actually based on the real life friendship between Reiner and Billy Crystal. In particular, them staying up together and watching movies while on the phone and talking about the movie. Apparently, that entire Casablanca thing is like was a real thing they did when they were going through a hard season.
0: Which is actually genuinely so adorable, it's beautiful. It's so it's absolutely it's so beautiful. Great. Yeah, that's Love so that. sweet. Actually, it's a good segue too. I did have something related to that, but just related, just to mention. Um, so, in the last like couple of years, uh, my friend Sammy on who I say my friend, she's been all this up. She's been on yeah. this podcast. She's a guest, uh, friend of the show, Sammy. That's right, and, uh, hero often, of the show. Uh, watch movies together from across the way. So that's really sweet. I never thought about the fact that it's, it's similar to this movie, but that's not my stray thought. My stray thought is I miss TV broadcasting content. I hate having... So first of all, I like the idea of being able to call up my friend and say, this is on and we just immediately are synced up. Because doing this with Sammy is so annoying sometimes when we have to like sync the movie yeah, ahead of time. Yeah, And then further... I'm annoyed at having to program my own idea of what to watch on a given day. Oh, wow. I miss, wow. I, I miss that. It's just like, Hey, you know what? You get what we give you. Here's the guide. Find this, something. This is like, weird. I'm a little overwhelmed for Mike. I, you know what? Decision paralysis is a thing. Sometimes I'm just like, I'm annoyed that I have to sift through. Is your take like all of this that effort. you wish corporations determined your taste more often? <laughs> Do you know what genuinely I wish did exist? Like, like not we're not even. I'm not even doing a bit now. Like, this is 100 yeah. honest. I want to be able to log into Netflix or whatever HBO, and for it to just have a button that's like, show me something that you want to watch. Like, we'll, I think, we'll decide. I they
1: think don't, Mike. That they, they, a- they
0: suggest things to you, uh, but they're still they're still telling you like you might like this movie. I thought there was that's like, like a su- too much.
1: I thought there was that's like a too surpri- much.
0: I thought there was like a surprise me button on Netflix. Oh you know what there might be, but I don't have Netflix anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That was the most Billy Crystal you've ever been. You're
1: hairy. That was the most hairy line of dialogue I've ever had with a bracelet. That was
0: Wow, well, we really hit it, huh? We really, we really got wow. There. I'm just that not, was great. I just can't. I'm just not gonna say anything else. Just, let's just move on. What's your next point? Mike? I think the
1: the funniest conclusion uh, to that would be if I'm also just wrong and there isn't a surprise me punch. But... I know. If we <laughs> like, find out that it doesn't even
0: really exist, I feel like it doesn't exist in that way nowadays. Uh, but I might be just totally, totally wrong. Wow, well, this is the best. Anyways, anyway, uh, good times.
1: Uh, here's what I nice, straight thought. I've never related more in my entire life to someone fearing a 24 hour tumor and then refusing to actually go see a doctor. Oh, when, my God. when their loved one tells them to do something about it.
0: <laughs> that was so real. That was too real. Also yeah. just, I feel like this movie hits, maybe you can really, this isn't a straight thought, but I just want to build off that real quick. Do you think that is simply a characteristic of people in their thirties? Cause I feel like this is true of me now. And this comes up in the movie a lot that like, if I am emotionally unwell, then I will also start saying things like, I think I'm sick.
1: Yeah. Oh, like absolutely. I will start, yeah. Like
0: if, if something horrible has happened to me in a relationship, then the next day I'm just sitting around thinking like, do I have a cold? Do I, do oh, I, feel, I think something is wrong with me. I bam it that up. I'm happens like, do, in I this have, movie. do I have cancer in my time? You really go for it. But that sense, yeah. I think, I just really relate to that. And I felt like yeah. it's was a very 30s thing because I don't think I relate to that when I watch this movie in my 20s. So man, this movie keeps on giving. Look at that. Um, two things. This is kind of a two for one. So the first one, I think everyone knows this, but just in case you don't, the extremely famous in the diner, the orgasm scene in the diner, the famous I'll have what she's having is delivered by Yep, a Estelle Reiner, Rob Reiner's mother, absolutely delightful. Um, the 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 other straight thought I attach to that. So that scene is shot in Cat's Diner. Uh, if you're curious everyone here considers it overrated trash. It's super expensive and it's like always overflowing with tourists. It actually might be good, but I've never met a single person who's actually gone to Kat's Diner because again, overflowing with tourists at basically 24 seven and crazy expensive. That's the Mm. word uh, from the local New Yorkers on it. Um, But still a famous diner. So I guess it's worth noting.
1: I guess, whatever that sounds lame.
0: Um, (laughs) yeah actually it's really
1: i mean serendipitous that you i uh, so i had that i had that point also um okay. and that rob reiner demonstrated the scene in front of the entire cast and crew including his mother on the first day that they got to it which sounds fantastic but i love that the idea that i tagged onto it is this is this how you felt during our holy grail pot
0: <laughs> knowing that your parents listen to our podcast is this what it's like is this what it is for you this is it's 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 uh, the funny thing is, though, Mike, that like he was so inclusive of his family in a way for this that that feels so so warm, you know. Yeah. Uh, but also traumatizing. Yeah, I know. That's exactly how I felt, actually. I, I just totally agree. Um, <laughs> it's a great read. And just to demonstrate how good of a read it is, I want to move on. So collection of things in this movie that I think have aged a lot but I'm going to hold out a candle for, have also aged sort of incredibly. Okay. Let's start at the top. AstroTurf football. Ooh. little small one, but it was pretty funny to see, actually. I was like, oh, yeah, they were doing that. That must have been so brutally uncomfortable, by the way, to yeah. fall on, right? Like, that was the read. That's why they stopped doing it, right? Yeah. I mean, Well, um, they still
1: use uh, turf outdoors in some stadiums, and it very clearly oh. is tearing people's ACLs and Achilles. So, you know, there's a cool. big debate about that Great. right now. Funny.
0: Times. Good to know that we haven't moved on that much from 1989. Uh, this one got the biggest unintentional comedy moment for my theater, uh, but when we cut to Harry and and uh, his friend Jesse power walking through Central Park as they are uh, as they are discussing something, I think that's what's called right when they're doing the yeah. little twisting yeah. your hips yeah, yeah, yeah. as you're that's walking, power walking. Yeah. yeah, which looks absolutely astonishing Every I time. just Really. Really, really appreciate that. Uh, we also cut to Sally doing, I believe, Jazzercise. <laughs> um, Beautiful. Great. Again, great moment. But then finally, the thing that has aged the best, the thing that has aged a lot, and, and this is a shout out to another friend of the show, Taylor Burgess, mm. the sweaters in this movie. Just oh, yeah. Th- the style in general. The denim is great, too. But let's center on the fact that they are constantly adorned in these luscious, blanket-esque c- colorful, seemingly hand-knitted, gorgeous sweaters that like apparently people of the style world will tell you kind of just don't exist anymore. Like they do, but the cost of them has become genuinely prohibitive. Yeah, they've and become
1: so, you know half zips and stuff like or quarter zips, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And
0: it's so depressing. Like that one really does break me down when I watch this movie. And I'm like, the only thing I want in the entire world is the Meg Ryan like turtleneck red sweater with that denim coat. I'm just like, you look so cozy and warm and everyone has all these sweaters for some reason in this movie. And what are we doing? What are we doing here in 2023?
1: Mike? Uh, this is truly where you and I divide. I, I hate sweaters and I hate, I hate I, I've any never... layer that I can't take off. Like in a, in a way that doesn't expose my midriff and take off half of my clothing with it. I just like,
0: I've, I hate it. I've never felt further from you like, <laughs> like in any in, by every measure that I do at this moment, like emotionally, spiritually, like everything. I'm yeah, just, I, I'm I, I, I hate it.
1: I hate hoodies like that without a zipper. I hate, do you hate sweaters.
0: I know I say this as a bit all the time, but I really mean it here. Do you hate love? Do you <laughs> hate warmth? The definition of what a sweater gives you cuddliness and warmth. And I'm just. My, I thrown up my hands I'm I just, get it I'm shocked I, I'm think, outraged. I
1: I do think this is a, a part of this is a um, geographical divide because in Florida that's true you go outside in the morning and it's 30 and then by midday it's 75 and a sweater is just not it's just not working you know it's just like that thing has I to might come be off bringing around a lot 11. of emotion
0: it's it's a good point I could be bringing a lot of emotion into this because it is currently I think today is a high of 40 so things yeah. are a little bit different here and maybe that's coloring it uh in that case i think i still win though because you just admitted that you but you're also Middle you States. also
1: like itchy animals draped of your body it is awful so anyway, wake whatever
0: now you know we'll, we'll agree to disagree even though i'm right what do you got
1: uh i think this is my last one
0: Yeah, uh, yeah should be
1: just uh wild to think about the people who were originally offered the role for harry bards um
0: it's crazy oh i don't know i did not know this actually uh, i look this up what do you did included
1: hitting? tom hanks Richard Dreyfuss, mm. Michael Keaton, mm. and mm. Albert Brooks, which is just crazy. Brooks apparently that turned the movie new. down because he thought it was too reminiscent of Woody Allen's work, which is a take.
0: It's, it's, it's just let's just leave that one sitting there. <laughs> yep. Of those four, who do you who would you sub in? I actually, well, I, I would take Crystal over all of them just to just for work. yeah. I would I would take Crystal. Um, I think
1: we've seen. Hanks and an Efron movie succeeds, so it's obviously Hanks to me. But
0: um. yeah, even though it's funny because he has such a different personality on screen personality than Billy Crystal, Albert Brooks is the closest like like vibe I think surprisingly. But he's even um, he's a little too
1: dark. Like yeah, he's ser- dark Serious, but, you know.
0: But he has the like sarcastic. Thing. I don't think yeah, Hanks yeah. is like sarcastic in that way. Like he does it, but you don't really believe it. <laughs> he's no, too yeah, artist. yeah, yeah. Um, I get that. What were what were the other two again?
1: uh it was richard dreyfus and michael keaton i don't think either of those michael
0: keaton would be interesting i don't i don't don't think it would work but i don't like that richard dreyfus would be a train wreck that sounds like a genuinely horrible movie i even like richard dreyfus but yeah that's that's a nightmare uh okay mike somehow i still have two points so i'm just gonna go through them real quick Uh, i guess you must have done this wrong here we go yeah can't count got it the concept of sally being a picky eater was based on nora efron herself Years after the movie came out, Efron was on a plane and ordered something very precisely. The stewardess looked at her and asked, "Have you ever seen the movie When Harry Met Sally?" That's which I funny. think is just a great, that's a great funny. <laughs> anecdote. I don't know how I responded that moment, being called out like that. Um, I'm sure she was. Very I don't
1: happy. know. It reminds me of like the meme on the internet of Tony Hawk being asked, like, "Hey, you remind me of Tony Hawk at like <laughs> drive thrus
0: Has anyone ever told you you look like Tony Hawk? He's like, yeah. yeah uh my last question mike my last point so harry apparently is a lawyer for a political consulting firm so they say so a political consulting firm in new york city in 1989 Oof. i would say we can presume he's a democrat do we think he's a dukakis guy so 1988 dukakis loses to uh george bush cedar i feel like that's the best conclusion to draw right and if so why is he so successful he's 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 not doing a great job. Do you think Clinton picks him up four years later? I don't know.
1: I don't know either. Um, I mean, yeah, I was about to say, he doesn't strike me as a winner. So <laughs> I don't know.
0: Um, maybe maybe he does this just, I don't even know who who challenged. Uh, oh, wait, yeah, no, it's Clinton's only for one turn. And then it's, or sorry, Bush Senior's only for one turn. Yeah, so. yeah, it's Clinton, yeah. So do you, so I so I, maybe that's the theory is that Clinton's like no we need fresh blood and they're they they've bounced on on man that would be uh, pretty embarrassing firm. firm
1: if you're the only one who couldn't run a case against Clinton senior <laughs> or not Clinton up uh, a senior that's Get rough Bush
0: senior <laughs> that's brutal done. I the sequel to this movie is that Harry falls on really hard times in the nineties because <laughs> uh, his firm goes up. I think that wraps up everything for Stray Thoughts. Stick around after the break. We're going to have a dialogue and then a final question for each other. Welcome back, everybody. For this part of the podcast, we try to just find a sort of question or an idea that the movie brings up that we can probe a little bit deeper. Uh, to talk about maybe outside the scope of the movie Uh, for this one. There's a pretty, I would say almost obvious sort of theme. There's, there's, there's an obvious sort of resonance that the movie presents you, which is just the idea of emotional intimacy being a sort of terrifying thing. Yeah. Uh, This is something I I will cop to the fact that part of why this was what I came out of wanting to discuss with this movie is because I have done a lot of work in, in therapy over the last year, of realizing that I certainly have struggled with this in the past, and, and to a certain extent struggle with it still, um, and I think this movie does a really beautiful job of demonstrating to people who I think are pretty terrified of emotional intimacy for different reasons. Uh, I mentioned this earlier, but the the best friends Jesse and Jesse Marie do such a good job of portraying the contrast of this, and I think that scene is so important because again, in light of this question, I think that that scene is so critical because you see sort of the ideal of how relationships are in a sense, supposed to work, right. That from the beginning of these people realizing that they have a connection, they are totally unafraid of pursuing that connection. Mm -hmm. Right. And they, and they are just with absolute abandon are saying like, you know, I want to, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, the most romantic light of the whole movie, Harry says at the end, I'm
2: sorry, Harry, I know it's New Year's Eve, I know you're feeling lonely, but you just can't show up here, tell me you love me and expect that to make everything all right. It doesn't work this way. Well, how does it work? I don't know, but not this way. How about this way? I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes, and I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. And it's not because I'm lonely, and it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as
0: possible. I think it's very telling that the movie brings us to that point with these characters. Cause yeah. that's what they've been trying to get to this whole time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And again, I think that's a conversation about emotional intimacy. Cause it's basically them realizing, wait a second, this is something that works. And the only barrier to making this a real relationship is me, is my own fear is my own hangups. Um, so I guess I just wanted to pose that as a question to you, Mike, like why, you know, either in the scale of this movie or maybe in the scope of just people in general, why is emotional intimacy so scary or why can't it be so scary?
1: Uh, I think this movie kind of brilliantly answers and captures that question in a a conversation we already cut into this podcast earlier, which is when Sally is talking about the pretty devastating conversation she has with George that leads to them breaking up, right? And that Mm -hmm. is, she brings up, that she wants something right deeply. She wants, I I think it's children or it's just lifestyle differences, but she basically just like says her truth out loud. And the, the outcome of doing that is a breakup is a essentially like someone you are living with and committed to and think you're going to marry leaving you. Right. And I think Mm. that's the terror we all have. Right. It's that there is this thing in us, um, this, reality, you know, brokenness or sometimes not even not. Maybe it's just quirks. Maybe it's just areas of self-loathing that aren't even broken, but we just have been either trained to not like them or just don't for whatever reason, that we're afraid that I mean, and this is really two way. Like we're afraid that if that gets found, the person mm-hmm. will leave us. We'll be abandoned. But then I think the more insidious thing is is what we were just talking about with Sally and George, which is also if someone knew what we really wanted. If someone knew what we really desired, they would find that repulsive or disagreeable and leave us then to abandon us over that too. So you end up with this double-edged coin, right? And intimacy becomes impossible. I can't have someone know what I believe is the darkest part of myself. But I also can't have someone know what I believe are my deepest longings. Because both of those things will be more likely than not judged unacceptable. I I probably judge them unacceptable, so I assume the other person will too. So instead I hide them they come out in unproductive ways. They come out of argument or they never come out at all. And the relationship fizzles, breaks and never gets beyond skin deep. Right. But, I just think that's like as human of a thing to relate to as there is. Right. I think what you, when you say it out loud, you're like, yeah, who hasn't been there? That's the barrier of entry to any meaningful relationship, friendship, romantic or otherwise.
0: And I think I totally agree. And I think the, the beauty of the movie's portrayal is that, it can show people, it shows us these two people who are locked in themselves for, yeah. for these reasons that we've stated, but you, they still are able to create a relationship. Cause I think mm-hmm. one of the biggest lies that you can believe about yourself in that space is that relationship is impossible just as an, as an idea. Right. Yeah. Sure. And so I think that's the part of the beauty of the movie, part of why I hold on to my perhaps very, Obtuse reading in order to, to make it still work in a way, <laughs> is that is that I think that idea of, hey, even though they don't have everything about themselves figured out yet, they still develop the relationship and mm, they're still yeah. able to just by being and truly by being themselves are able to connect profoundly with this other person until it eventually erupts into a into a real relationship, but or into a romantic relationship, but just the idea that sometimes there's a sort of cart before the horse problem with emotional intimacy, which is that you know, big the capital R relationship, as sometimes I refer to it, is such a a, a intimidating idea, and I think yeah. that the movie sort of demonstrates how like they were already in that like a very pretty deep level of emotional intimacy but then once the word relationship got in got involved through through the avenue of like sex suddenly it brought up all of those fears right yeah i think more so for harry but in a sense you see it for both of them and i think again that's that's actually like a pretty profound point to be made that yeah they the the only thing that it changed was how they approached you know, something with, with that level of commitment with, yeah. with that kind of sort of looming sort of, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is like a dreadful looming sense of, of the, the intensity of that because that's something that could truly hurt you. Right. Yeah, And I, I think that's why they're so committed to like at the beginning, at least just having the friendship thing. Cause it's like, well, you just don't want to get hurt. Yeah. Um, all sure. of it was relatable, but again, I think it's so cool seeing how, even within the framework of having that struggle with themselves, they still develop that closeness and and the language of intimacy, even if they can't express it fully. What it is so interesting that like so much
1: work of therapy, not, not in terms of mucking out the past. I I think a lot of therapy is about that. Right. Which is like, let me figure out why I became the way I am. Um, Hmm. I think another critical part of therapy in my experience though has been Kind of like how do I live in a more present and centered way moving forward? So like once I deconstruct all these things that are like coping mechanisms, what do I replace them with? How do I interact with reality, with other people, with relationships, kind of trying to start from scratch as much as possible? And hmm. and, and I think one of the most interesting things that I keep coming to in, in spiritual work and therapeutic work is like. Getting to a point, and this is going to sound strange, but I think it connects what you're saying. But is getting to a point in which I'm entering into um, relationships, jobs, tasks, without giving them undue stakes, undue mm, yeah. weight, undue, um, <laughs> you know, like power in terms yeah, of how absolutely. how they how they go. Where it's like I remember so many times, like ending a relationship immaturely as like a teen where I'm like, why? Well, I just don't know if I'm going to marry this person. And in hindsight, right, you're like, exactly. what? <laughs> you're like,
0: you're what are you doing? 15.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, What are you talking about? Just enjoy your time. Enjoy this experience. Be present for it. Like, don't put more onto. I mean, not to quote, you know, my man, Jesus, but like tomorrow has enough worries on its own. You know, <laughs> like don't yeah. add more to today than is already like that. Today has already brought. It has plenty of anxiety. Um, so just, I don't know. I'm not sure. I kind of feel like I'm rambling, but like, I do think that that's like a big lesson to learn in kind of what you're talking about, which is like prob- part of this problem with like intimacy and what makes it so hard is that we just like, the moment we get a taste of like an intimate relationship, we start living like 12 years down the road. We start jacking up the stakes of like where that might lead, what might come of it. And before long, we're paralyzed, or terrified, or running in the opposite direction right. Mm, and if we could just yep. sit there and be like I'm enjoying this right now. I'm present for this right now. I'm just going to let this be what it is right now. Most of the time all that stuff fades. And intimacy yeah.
0: actually isn't that hard. You know what I mean? Well, and, and and not to not to keep reiterating the point, but like, you know, if, if from a certain perspective in the movie, if when they sleep together, if Harry just ex- in that moment just embodies what you're talking about of like, wait, Don't suddenly get into your own head about what have I just done to this relationship? What label, what, uh, what can of worms have I opened? And if he could just at that moment, breathe and be like, yeah, I, yeah, things are messy. Life is messy. I don't know what I'm holding anymore, but that's okay. And I'm just going to be honest and truthful. Just sort of, you know, for lack of a better term, go with the flow. Then you can see where it's like, that's how you disarm all of those fear responses all of those, all, all of that sense of, you know, that past trauma, that past emotional trauma rearing up to try to sabotage you. Like it sounds simple. It's not obviously, but in that moment, just being able to to kind of coolly say, don't, don't let myself run to these crazy conclusions, like take a breath and, and make myself more present and make myself available emotionally just to for the person I'm with. And at that point, the crazy thing is like, you've done it. That's the emotional yeah. intimacy. You're Boom. there. And yeah. Yeah. But, it, but it. having said that, like it's obviously not that, that easy. And I think the movie does a good job of portraying that and portraying the people living in that fear. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, I, I think an extra layer of beauty to even that is like, when you allow yourself to be, you know, brought into that space and to go with that flow, you also might just like, as Harry does find out that, actually this is what i've wanted the whole time and what you are terrified of is actually like destiny fate love like the thing that you were made to experience and and yeah how many times do we miss that level of emotional beauty because we've just put up these barriers or we're living too far in the future or we just can't get past our own head
0: everybody thanks once again so much for listening uh, to this episode we do have a final question that Mike and I have each prepared about this movie before that we want to let you know the next episode is actually our 50th episode uh, spectacular I'm calling it Mike Woo! and Balloons. We're, we're choosing a spectacular movie I think if we had to make our collective list of like the movies that you and I both think of as, as truly loving this has to be in the top I don't know five yeah right enjoyability wise yeah oh my god so we're going to be discussing inglorious bastards the Mm -hmm. 2009 war film written and directed by quentin and i
1: want my scalps (laughs) truly
0: i think one of the most expertly put together movies ever uh if you I, i you know mike it's worth noting i think there's a there's a semi burgeoning cultural backlash to tarantino starting to happen just in the sense of like he's becoming like like old every 10 years i think that happens
1: but anyway
0: i can accept that uh but i will also say if that's your stance uh Uh, peace be upon you but this will become this will be uh tarantino space uh next next episode uh so look out for that i'm very excited uh mike final question I, i i'll go ahead i think i got this yeah please what if anything was your and Ricky's wagon wheel table argument about no oh, that's interesting was there oh. i guess i guess the first question is was there one uh and if there was I, I, I'm, I'm dying to know what it could have been about we have
1: a little bit of the reverse problem so no not really i mean i to pause with you um i before i met my sweet wife Ricky lived in a series of studio apartments in which I never put anything on the walls or unpacked most of I my see boxes. Where this is going. Sure, and yeah. that was because a living space existed to be slept in and nothing else. And um beautiful yeah very, and I, very but, romantic. And some of that is like was like my personality. I was very minimalist. Um uh, very utilitarian in that regard of just, like, I'm going to use the space for what it's for. Some of that was because I moved, like, every year after college for, like, it was, like, six years or something crazy, or mm-hmm. including college, maybe. So right. I just got into this habit of not personalizing space. So really, like, the bigger argument was, like, me being convinced that, like, a home should be a home. <laughs>
0: Okay, <laughs> and i'm just like i I, like, I picture you walking in one day and be like why are all these pictures on the wall exactly <laughs> that's like, what it felt like because they're beautiful <laughs> and, and add to our space
1: that's it's like what if we have to leave tomorrow and move, anyways <laughs>
0: so yeah it was
1: that was it uh and funny enough like we have like a sword rack on the wall from all the swords i got from like medieval fairs so like but that wasn't even my idea. That was like her idea. She's like the best. I don't
0: know. And it, that um, is the cliche one. It's funny that I even asked the question because I, I I didn't know about that at least. That's like yeah. yeah, you guys have the straight up like I think there's a there's a cliche that that a, a partner would see that and be like, absolutely not. Are we having a bunch of Renaissance fair uh swords on the wall? But more power to you guys, you know? You you you're finding a you're finding a good ground. And apparently you're all in on that yeah uh, i won't mean. weigh in on how tacky i think it is but you know yeah that's kidding. fine i'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, just kidding uh i have miyazaki posters on my wall so i'm a different kind of yeah label,
1: not sure. all of us can live in luscious eight room apartments in manhattan john like as you, you know so.
0: yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> i meant to say if you guys ever want to come up you the guest rooms already for you the so, guest uh, rooms yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, excuse, sorry sorry yeah, yeah yeah the guest rooms you know um what do you, what do you got final question um well so i originally
1: wrote what was your worst uh carpool experience like, i remember i know that story and i think we shared <laughs> oh, that story on this story? podcast <laughs> um, not only
0: so, do you know it but we absolutely shared sure yeah podcast. Oh, so I'm i don't want to share it again but yeah nope, it's
1: great nope. i'm gonna try to think of something else on my feet real quick um <laughs> if you don't I oh this is good story what is oh, yeah. your most what is your most memorable experience in which you were stuck in close confinement with a stranger for a long period of time?
0: Oh my God. I, Do you uh, have any memorable experiences? I'm trying to think. I feel like it's a very hazy memory. I feel like there is something. At, oh, well, no, there is an obvious one. Um, my, my FSU, orientation weekend right oh dude me too yeah they put That's you into a dorm yeah with strangers obviously uh and like actually you know there's not a great punchline because it was a pretty like not eventful like it wasn't like any there's no horrible stories or anything like that but i was with a with with put, like had a roommate who god bless him was like an incredibly boring person and I, I just can't i it's it's very mean but i'm just being very honest like yeah yeah an I'd incredibly agree. boring person and like exacerbated by the fact that once school actually started we weren't like in anything related to each other we weren't in the same dorm or the same program or whatever uh he did still try to reach out and we hung out once or twice uh but it just it just wasn't gonna happen it was just like i he was just a very boring person so uh yeah shout out to that guy hope he's doing well he was a Would meteorology it? major i the, the fact that i know that and that that was a huge part of like his dialogue is like maybe you're starting to get an idea an idea of what i mean when i say you oh like, yeah he that's tough interested. that's a tough thing like that was most of what he talked about was he was like yeah. it's cool to talk about meteorology and i was like i'm sure it is for some people but it is not for <laughs> me Unfortunately, you've misread cool you've misread about. the room my friend wildly misread the t- the temperature of the room if yeah. you think I'm still in this conversation
1: uh, shout funny. out to that guy
0: what about you yeah. longest you I feel like that's a good one right like, like yeah that college is. orientation is like often that happens
1: kind of hope that that guy's like
0: a weird stalker
1: and listens to all our podcast episodes and this is gonna be like the uh, what unhinges him
0: but um I know I mean, I John tr- thought that about me uh, just to drive the last nail into the coffin I truly don't remember his name so if you're out there oh, buddy yeah hope things are going well
1: Gut speed. Uh, Weather's great. Um, yeah, I I have the exact opposite. Hmm. Um, I don't remember who I roomed with. I'll tell you that. So obviously that person did not make an impression on me. <laughs> um, but while I was walking between events at my orientation for freshman uh, at UF, uh, I was checking the scores of a Celtics-Lakers game, and hmm. a friend of mine, or w- would soon become a friend of mine, named abinov Uh he goes by Kumar. Uh overheard me kind of talking to my parents about it and intervened and was like, Oh, you like the Celtics? And he ended up becoming like my roommate and one of my best friends throughout all the of college. And we're that's still a friends now. Yeah, that's such we're still a great story. Yeah, such a great way
0: of I, I love the idea. Wait, so was he up, a fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He
1: wasn't a fan of either team, but he was a fan of the NBA. Oh, okay. And we ended up we ended up staying up all night with one other person in like the common area and just like joking like that kind of that's joking great. where you're like deliriously laughing at stupid shit um like immediately bonding to the person kind of that so right yeah if i was it, the
0: screenwriter writing like the, the story of your life i would amend it to where you as a celtics fan were checking on celtics laker and he would be he was Lakers a laker fan, fan? Like yeah, laker. yeah no, I right think he, I, I think, think that's, that's a much cover, better story yeah. Yeah. Uh, however, that is still very sharpie. That's lovely. It's actually. also
1: it's oh, also wow. kind of wild too, because I think I would say the majority of my friends in college were kids that he introduced me to because he knew them in high school. So like that ends up becoming like a big chunk of my friend group was that encounter. So
0: I think yeah, for a lot wild. of us, college is the last time that that like. Yeah, I know. Nowadays, I'm like stay these... away from me
1: stranger. Incel. <laughs> incel. <laughs>
0: No, I'll stay away from people slash uh, maybe bringing the single person as a thirty two year old into the conversation. It's more like, oh damn, I guess I do need some friends, huh? And like yeah. having to go through the effort of finding friends, oh, which is awful. much less fun than extemporaneously coming upon them uh in in social interactions. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, good times. Instead, we just form
1: parasocial relationships with movie characters and never Oof. have to have any. It's great.
0: Well, on that note, uh, thank you all so much for listening to this movie podcast. Oh, I just, oh, what a great spot to add on. What a yeah. lovely movie. Mike, anything else on uh, When Harry Met Sally? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Annihilation! There we go. It's just, it's just. I, I want you to know I my headphones rang a little bit afterwards, just from the, just from thank the noise. Thank God. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you on the next 50th episode uh, special. We'll see you all then. We're all dying. (laughs) Okay, bye. (gasps)